Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Home Matters podcast. We are the Whiteman Brock Real Estate Advisors. I'm Randy Brock. I'm here with Ron Whiteman. Lynn Whiteman's not able to make it, nor is Ethan, but our friend Haley Bice has joined us as our guest today. Thanks for being here, Haley. Yes, hello. Hello. Well, we're going to kick things off by talking about the real estate market, which has been exciting, especially because we're moving into a new season. And it we finally are. feels like it. It's so nice. It is. It is. And you know what's interesting about the market right now is we're and still in what I'm calling a balanced market. It's just it's just really nice not to have the panic and the and the fever that we had, you know, a couple springs ago or even last spring and, mm-hmm. and the spring yeah. before. So um, looking at some of the numbers really quick, we still have um, reasonable housing numbers, 135 single family home available for sale today. And that is still pretty weighted on the high end where the average sales price of those homes is $680,000, okay. which is not really wow. what we would call affordable. But, you know, the real picture looks at when we're looking at what's pending, what people are actually buying. We've got 259 homes that are pending, and the average sales price of those is 450 So a little bit closer to our median, which is in that three three fifty range. Right. The interesting thing is, is everybody's asking, what's the market doing? And what is selling is still 22 days on average on the market. So mm-hmm. our, our market is still moving quickly oh, yeah. in, the, in that average, as you found out. Oh, yeah. You were in yeah. multiples yesterday. Still getting into multiples, yeah. And that's tough, too, because, you know, you hear what you hear and what mm-hmm. you read, maybe, is different from what people are experiencing. So yeah. when you're out there, there, there is still competition. It is still, would you, I mean, you'd fairly call it a seller's market? Um, I'm still going to call it a balanced market. More of a balanced market. Yeah, because okay. sellers are still doing really well. They're getting good market price for a house that's marketed right, priced sure. right, taken care of. But the buyers have an opportunity to look at it, go home and sleep on it, and come back and evaluate. So yeah. I'm going to still call it a balanced market. Yeah, that's a good point, too, as far as time goes. Even being in multiples here recently, as, as recent as yesterday, mm-hmm. that was still... Oh my goodness, that was a four or five day process. It wasn't a 20 minute process. Exactly. It wasn't having to get an offer in within a matter of hours for the same day for presentations happening in one night where there was at least some time. Circumstances are always different yeah. in every listing, but yeah, it is It is very different than what we've seen the last few years. And much depends on what you're looking for. I was out with some buyers uh, last week and they're looking for acreage, you know, outside of town, a mm, two to yeah. five acre property. and. And on those type of things, you know, they're all, they were asking me, well, what's the market doing? Is it soft? I'm going, no, especially when you're looking for an acreage, a nice acreage that's close in within 20 or 30 minutes, you need to have your ducks in a row. You need to have your, your financing in place and, and be ready to make an offer. Now it's, you should still be able to take your time within 24 hours, but yeah. you really do need to be able to um, decide quickly and have all of your ducks in a row. Yeah, and making a good decision and knowing where you're at, where you're coming from, can have a big difference yep. too. As and what I mean, what I'm getting at with that is, you know, like if you have a house that you need to sell, your situation is going to be different mm-hmm. than somebody who's purchase ready. You're walking out your door, you're looking at homes, and you're ready to write a non-contingent offer versus, all right, well, we're we're looking for more square footage or we're looking to as for a change of yep. pace. And it just depends on your situation. And, uh, you know, what do you think about the market is considerably different at different price ranges? 
right now too. Absolutely. You know, if you're if you're looking at the what we're going to call our entry level, and I'm going to call our entry level at 250 to three and a quarter. You know, yeah. uh, which That's is a shock to some. It's a shock. Yes. Yeah. You know, those houses are still moving very, very quickly. Um, I know Ethan's not here, but he's been looking at in that price range and um, to buy himself. And you just, you have to be on it. You have to go look at it because they move very, very quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, the subject came up in a, a Reddit thread I was reading the other day about people who say they want a fixer-upper. What do you, I know we could go on a deep dive mm-hmm. about this too, but some people are like, yeah, I'm ready to get into a house that's gonna have some projects. That doesn't always look the way you think it's going to look, does it? No, and everybody's you know definition of projects is different. You know, most people are thinking, well, I'm willing to do some carpet or some paint or some light fixtures, and you know, and and really, you know, that's that's light. That's light in projects. Exactly. So yeah. it, it really depends on, and also the money, the amount of money that you have available to spend, and your level of expertise in working on those kinds of things. So right. So tell me more about that uh, yeah, fixer-upper that you exactly. want to get into. Yeah, painting a living room <laughs> or putting in a new floor is a little bit different than a new roof or having to replace every window. Or if you're a seller, just and this is very random, but if you have a seller and the foundation wall is bowing in in one spot, yeah. that's not something that your average fixer is going to come in and take right. care of. Those are some of those big projects that should be addressed before you go on the market. Right, right, right. Anyway. And speaking of projects, does anybody in your neighborhood have a pile of mulch in their driveway? It's so fun to see, you know, because oh, right yeah. now spring is here, and and two of my neighbors, I was leaving town or leaving the neighborhood yesterday, and you know, dump trucks of mulch in their driveway. Yeah, and so mm-hmm. it's it's fun to see that, but it's a great time if you're one of those people to be working right. in your yard to to check the gutters. Um, yeah. I always like to talk about gutters. Downspouts need to run out, you know, away from the house. Check to make sure your gutters are clean. Make sure no varmints have been digging around your foundation, that everything slopes away so you don't have any water issues. Great point on the mulch, too. If you're going to be putting mulch in the beds right around your house, make sure that that level is pointed away. It's a great time just to check the level of dirt, make sure it's sloped away from your house. It doesn't have to be a 45-degree angle. I think it's one, one foot for every three feet i think something like yeah. that yeah that might be we need to start some sine cosine tangent work here to figure yeah, out don't go don't, don't quote me in that <laughs> We're not just gonna... make sure the water runs away <laughs> right not getting into the trigonometry <laughs> of it all but yeah make sure the water is running away from your house and not toward it and it's such an it's one of those easy jobs you know that one takes a little bit more elbow grease than you know just putting the downspouts on but it's the little things that can make a big difference it is, and it's a good time to just kind of put your eyes on your foundation uh, in, in all the all, all of the gutters and stuff because it's yeah. better, easier to do it when it's dry and you're out there working versus when it's pouring rain and we've got two inches in the forecast. Right, a little sprucing up can go a long way. This is the time to do it. By the way, quick side note, I was able to make my own pile of mulch that I still have because I've, I'm out in the woods. Yes. So I got a wood chipper last year Ooh. and I've got which by the way safety first whenever you're using <laughs> right. a wood chipper it was a, it was a monster of a machine but it was kind of cool because we were able to now we still have this big pile of mulch that's going to have to spread it all out but I recommend the easier route if you can get it delivered it's a lot better than getting your own wood chipper and there were no scenes uh, from Fargo I'm happy I was going to say. mention Fargo because anytime somebody talks about a wood chipper that's what I think right about. the first thing such a weird movie yes you always got to be doing that with somebody don't get your arms stuck in that baby oh my goodness all right Haley thank yes. you for being here today happy to be here 
Tell us a little bit about you, where you're from, what you do for a living. Sure, yeah. Um, I'm from Rochester originally. Um, I moved away to St. Cloud and then Mankato for a little bit, and I moved back during the pandemic. It was a good time to be home. Yeah. Um, and I am a communications and marketing coordinator for a local nonprofit, and then I'm also a freelance graphic designer. I do some work for you guys, and yes. then I also uh, am on the board of Art on the Ave. Nice, and that's that's a big event that we wanted to talk about today. But yes, full disclosure, you're great at what you do, and we appreciate having you on board to help us with our marketing because as a company, we just don't have the bandwidth to do that all ourselves. Or the talent. I mean, I, right. even if we had the time, I don't have the talent. So. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Have your artistic and creative mind on board is, is very helpful. So speaking of art and creativity, um, what is art on the avenue? Yeah, it's a neighborhood event in Slatterly Park here in Rochester. Um, each year we unveil a sculpture um, in the Slatterly Park neighborhood. And um, it kind of got started as a Slatterly Park Neighborhood Association event. And then it became its own um, nonprofit a few years later. Um, and it's really just uh, an event where neighbors get together and there's vendors that sell artwork and um, it's really an opportunity for that local community um, of homeowners to celebrate the neighborhood that they live in. It's interesting that it has become so popular in the city because you know years ago it was everything was the, the talk was about Kutsky Park and the things that they were doing but now all of a sudden Art on the Ave has become um, a real event in town and it's there isn't any other association or anything like it that I'm aware of. Yeah, we've been asked a few times if we would travel to uh, the other neighborhoods in town. There, we're on a board of just four of us that are volunteering, and it's too much capacity to take it. But we're, you know, willing and open to share any of the things that we've created as part of the event for neighborhoods to take it up themselves. Um, but we're really the only neighborhood that's doing it that I'm aware of. And if I'm not mistaken, I think it's become such a big event that you have to get permission and licensing through the city to do the vendors and things that you do. Yeah, there, right? we we have to have a permit to close down the avenue because we, we okay. closed down an avenue. We would have to do that regardless because we're closing down a, a public um, walkway. But um, yeah, we have increased to about 60 vendors over the years. We started with maybe 10. That's amazing. Um, yeah, and it's it's really grown. It's the reason why Slatterly Park has been designated as the arts district in Rochester by the mayor, um, because the um, neighborhood really gathered around the, the art, and um, not just us. There's a lot of um, creators and vendors that are part of the event that live in the neighborhood um, that get involved with art outside of Art in the Ev as well, so that's why the sculptures aren't just part of the um, arts district. It's really the neighborhood that um, came together around the art. And the, and the neighborhood itself is is such a great addition to Rochester because it's always been probably an example of what we're going to call affordable living, uh, affordable mm -hmm. homes. Yeah, and absolutely. there's just some some really great houses um, in in that area. Yeah, absolutely. I am from Meadow Park originally, and um, so Slatterly Park is right next door. Um, and when I moved back to um, Rochester from Mankato, I was already on the board of Art on the Ave, so it's definitely like one of the first places I looked for a home. Mm -hmm. But the affordability was um, certainly 
something to keep in mind. And you can walk almost out your back door and right on to Slatterly Park, right? Yes, yeah. Yeah, I'm on the other side of the river from where most of the sculptures are, um, but there's bike paths and um, bridges, so I can just go straight across. Yeah, Yeah. so convenient. Just being able to walk anywhere, Mm -hmm. you know, right onto the trail. It's right downtown, too. Yeah, Yeah, quick to downtown, Mm -hmm. just to get to the farmer's market, which is, my goodness, opening up here soon, although it's not as convenient for Slatterly Park yeah, it moved it to, to Graham. Yeah, moved to Graham. but you can still, still bike there. It's oh, not absolutely. that far. Yeah, so close. So, how many sculptures are there currently? We're unveiling the 18th sculpture this Seriously? year. So there are 17 in existence and one that's being built. Is there mm-hmm. a map of them? If there is. Yeah, there's one on our website, and then we hand out um, postcard-sized maps um, at the event as well. And so the website is artontheavrochester.com. You can Google it too. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> and we'll, we'll, we'll put that in the description for the podcast too. We'll make I'm sure pretty sure it. that's right. Yeah. But, uh, well, and what a model event that you're putting on. So if other people, other neighborhoods have maybe approached you, what would you say to, like, how did you get people in Slatterly to buy in to this and maybe even just recommending to other neighborhood organizations if they want to do something similar. Sure, yeah. Um, So it started as the Neighborhood Association event. It started as sort of a plant sale. I think they called it Bloom Day. This was before I was on the board, so I'm quoting history that I don't know personally. But um, it was a very small neighborhood event. um, And then neighbors who were part of the board, part of the association board, not a separate nonprofit board, um, were really interested in revitalizing the community. Mm-hmm. And so they looked at things like um, boulevard sculptures as an opportunity for that. But um, for example, Slatterly Park has the um, mural on the ground um, right. Right. that was recently recently repainted. Um, that was also part of a similar initiative by the, the Neighborhood Association. So it's really listening to the people who live in the community and getting their input and seeing what you know they might want to get involved in. There's another project part of the association right now to, um, there's like some apple trees right behind where I live across the river um, that they're um, turning into a like community garden, but more in the fact that uh, neighbors can come and get food rather than neighbors can grow food. Right. Wow, I keep bumping the mic. Oh, that's here. okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's um, really an opportunity for um, associations to listen to the neighbors that live in the neighborhood and see what they want. Um, it doesn't have to be necessarily an event. That's what came out of this: is a sculpture unveiling turned into a sixty vendor, you know, right. five thousand plus attendees event. Um, but it was, it really started as, um, this celebration of the community and what the neighborhood wanted in terms of revitalizing the community. And I think like a lot of the neighborhoods, like you mentioned Kutsky, um, they have a certain identity and so maybe it looks unique from neighborhood to neighborhood. Um, but that's really where we started was, um, this, this idea of, having sculptures in Slatterly Park as an opportunity to revitalize the community. And you said 60 vendors, that's not really all food. I mean, you've got all kinds no, of no. things going that's on. No, no, that's almost all artists. I think we have five food vendors this year. In the past, we usually have about three. Um, and so the rest are all jewelers and painters yep. and all kinds of different media. And then you've also got music. Yes, yes, there's live music. Um, we have a stage that we rent and um, 
an amazing uh, sound person. And um, yeah, we, we have music. Um, that's another opportunity, I think, where uh, neighborhood associations could get involved with um, their um, people is that uh, for the first few years, I know that it was all local musicians. We have a few that have been from like the Twin Cities area, but we primarily have a, a local um, musician base um, within within Rochester. And there's a lot of musicians musicians in Rochester. There's so. a lot of a lot of the arts in general That's in true. Rochester, yeah. uh, and and that would make it easier for something somebody like you within your neighborhood. You just know that there's going to be a population of right. Well, um, and I think it's a. For example, during the um, pandemic event that we held, where we had um, the event on several blocks rather than a single block, mm-hmm. um, we had musicians in each of the driveways, and I think it was a great opportunity for neighbors just to come out, you know, socially distanced, but listen to live music. And so I think it's it's another opportunity too for neighbors to get together in a way that maybe they wouldn't in your typical block party kind of situation. Yeah, and just. I lived in Slatterly for a while, and what I really appreciated about this was how what you're doing now wasn't just built in a day. There were some volunteers that put in a lot of work, and one of the biggest things that they did, and I mean, just as maybe a quick note to anyone who would want to do something in their own different neighborhood organization, they just went out and asked. Mm -hmm. They just went out and communicated with neighbors first and foremost. I mean, so many things just don't happen because there's not just one person. Right. To go out and ask. You're not going to get anything if you don't ask. And, you know, Wayne and Veronica in Slatterly yeah. Park were out. They were active. They got people involved simply by asking, will you show up? Yeah. He's actually the, he and Veronica are the hosts this year. So each year we have someone who gets the sculpture unveiled um, at their home. And he is, um, he's never actually had Art on the Ave on his avenue. He had a sculpture previously, but sure. he was, you know, one of the first. So... Um, he had Bloom Day, or whatever it was yeah. called from the association event. Um, so you know, maybe a plant sale, but never like the sixty plus vendors type of event. So he's really mm-hmm. excited yeah. um, to have that back on his. So avenue. tell me again, how you decide where it's going, where the art piece is going to go? Yeah, we send out an application usually in September um, for families who live in the neighborhood that want to host the event. And what that entails is um, once a month, the board meets in usually their living room, but we're pretty flexible on that, especially post-pandemic, if you don't necessarily want strangers in your house, we're willing to meet elsewhere. Um, But that's how it's been traditionally is. You invite us into your home, so then we um, have the capability to give you a sculpture, and then it's another opportunity for neighbors to get together, Mm -hmm. essentially. Um, And so the host family is chosen from that application process. Usually it's chosen based on location. So we um, have 17 sculptures now, and so we don't necessarily want a sculpture right next to another one. Um, And we also try not to host the event on the same block that it, on the same avenue it was the previous year um, to give some variety. So um, last year we held it on the same block as previous because the host family um, didn't have the opportunity to have it on their block during the pandemic. Sure. So we wanted um, them to still see the full event um, that they didn't have the opportunity to see, even though they still got the sculpture unveiled. Um, so this year we're on a different avenue, and next year we'll be on a different avenue, and so on and so on. So we we 
um, Git applications in from people who want to host, and they provide us with a theme. So um, we also kind of decide, you know, how feasible is this theme for our um, artists to execute in terms of the sculpture. Um, but really, it, it really comes down to location. So how many homes are in Slatterly, this, the association? Do you know? I don't know. I think it's like 10 blocks, something okay. like that, 10 square blocks. So down the road, you could have a lot of sculptures if this continues. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we So we had our 10th anniversary in 2019, just before the pandemic, and unveiled a very large sculpture in the park. Um, I know that we, as a board, are definitely interested in doing more public art like that, whether it's at the schools or um, like neighborhood art that's not necessarily boulevard art as well. Um, So there's definitely an opportunity both for um, people to get involved as hosts, but also people to kind of join our board and have a decision um, in terms of what those sculptures look like. in the community that they live in as well. How about the artists who create this? If anybody's wondering, like, what kind of sculpture? Is this just something that you've had that you make up? Or how did, how did the, the how artists get involved? Yeah. yeah, so um, the artist that makes the sculpture each year, we send out a request for proposals. Um, and we tell them what the theme is that the host has chosen. And so they typically make works based on that theme so they send us like their idea for a work rather than you know sending us something physical although we have gotten like clay models and stuff like that from artists in the past because it's a visual medium maybe they're not the best at writing and describing uh what they want to make so they'll Mm -hmm. they'll make us something physical i think last year we had a few that were like 3d modeled on the computer which is something that i don't have any experience in even as a a designer so it impressed me personally it's pretty high tech yeah (laughs) it is definitely um and i mean the proposals just get better and better every year um so it makes the decision harder and harder but um absolutely it's uh we um, each of the board members gets a vote and then the host family gets two votes. So um, we've never had it where the host family completely disagreed with the board. I think we discuss it before we vote, so we definitely know where they're leaning. And mm-hmm. if we're you know, debating between two, that's where maybe the votes come into play. But um, yeah, the decision is definitely hard. But the sculptures that get made are usually... Um, because they're all based on the host's theme, they're usually all something that the host connects with. So they're not like looking outside of their window at something that they don't like. Yeah. We've sold a house. I was just going to say that, yes. That had the sculpture. And I think that was even one of the questions that came up from potential buyers was, is the sculpture going to stay? They didn't want it to go with the sellers. And of course, yeah, it it stayed right there. It's a... Um, donated from Art on the Ave technically to the city rather than the homeowner because it's in the boulevard it's in the belongs boulevard. to the city so it doesn't move with the homeowner. Yeah, I was just going to say that because we listed that well, that one property and there was one for sale that I showed uh, I think it was last year as well and it is it's interesting uh, from a buyer's perspective you know is it going to stay and what's my responsibility and you know and it's, yeah, just, it's, it's, a, it's a different it's way to look at, at a property. Yeah, absolutely. They um, have full control over any landscaping around the sculpture um, just like you would in your boulevard, um, in in good faith with the city that you're not going to destroy their sure. grass, that kind of thing. Um, so 
we are responsible in terms of any breakage that might happen in while they're landscaping. A lot of our sculptures are made out of wood and metal, so if you, you know, nick it with a hedge trimmer or whatever, we can work sure. with the artist to fix it. But um, they are meant to last quite a long time, um, and there are very few like maintenance things that the homeowners have to do. Um, there's a few things like sealing the wood, for example, that we might pitch in to do um, mm -hmm. to make sure that the sculptures look nice prior to our event. But um, yeah, they they have full control over what it looks like, um, even if they're not the, the original homeowner. Where does funding come from um, for the organization? Yeah, originally it came a lot from donations from the neighbors. Um, we got uh, some Our Neighbors grants originally because mm -hmm. it was an association event. Um, we still get a lot of grants, but because we're no longer part of the association, we're our own um, 501c3 nonprofit, we have different eligibility requirements, which means we can apply for things like the Southeastern Minnesota Arts Council grants. Um, so essentially grants that are for artwork rather than grants that are for neighborhood associations. Yep, yeah. makes sense. Um, but yeah, we um, have typically gotten um, the sculpture unveiling itself and a little bit of our operating funds completely through grants, um, especially in the last few years. Um, and then donations go towards things like um, we do t-shirt sales every year. So those, those purchases and then additional free will donations go towards um, like renting tables to have at the event where the stage might be part of the arts grant because it's performing mm -hmm. arts so it would be included in that so um it the additional donations that we have go towards um putting on a great event rather than the art itself but um in in both aspects you know it's it's the totality of the event includes the sculpture unveiling mm -hmm. yeah. um so yeah the the funding we receive is um, both locally and from uh, Minnesota And then also State. sponsorships because yeah. we, we sponsor. Yes, yes. Yep. And um, that, that's what I included in terms of yep. donations is yep. we get sponsors from local businesses that um, want to see our event continue. So that's always yeah. really exciting when we get those sponsorships because it, it just means that the local businesses are, are interested in us continuing as well. Which is fantastic. I think that what your event has been a testament to what – public art can do mm -hmm. and what just you know getting people involved can mm -hmm. do for a neighborhood mm -hmm. there where people aren't just driving to work and coming to their house their right. neighborhood becomes their home and I feel like it's kind of changed the culture of the neighborhood too where people are very proud of where they yes. live and yeah. they're investing in their community and getting more involved and even when we would have uh, boulevard tree planting days in Slatterly mm -hmm. Park, the last one we went to when my kids were little, it was I was amazed at how many people showed up. Yeah, I think there's this, definitely a certain amount of ownership, um, not even just from like the individual homeowner that gets the sculpture, but you know they're proud of Slatterly Park being the arts district, and they mm -hmm. want to continue maintaining um, their neighborhood so that people like to be there. So it kind of is yeah. cyclical in that way, and like people get involved because they want to see the um, neighborhood look nice and then the neighborhood looks nice so people want to continue that right. and uh, keep getting involved. So. Yeah. It's amazing how much traction you've gained. I mean because when it started Absolutely. out it was like what is this thing and now it is a thing. You yeah. know, it's an event 
uh, almost anybody that lives in town, regardless of where you're at, understands what Art on the Ave is. And uh, so it's, it's, you guys have done a great job. Yeah, absolutely. I joined the board before I was a resident of Slatterly Park. I was one of the first people who was allowed, if you want to call it that. To, <laughs> sure, you're an outsider. Uh, and I was an outsider to, to join the board um, that didn't live in the neighborhood. Um, and I think that definitely helped because it opened to new views and new opportunities, but that was more just in the fact of adding additional board members mm -hmm. rather than because I was an outsider. But um, I think, like you mentioned, getting additional voices, whether that's part of the association or whether that's a separate nonprofit or you know just neighbors getting together to discuss what could happen is, mm -hmm. is definitely something that I would, I would encourage other neighborhoods to do. Um, you don't have to put on an event that looks like ours. You could do something simple as a neighborhood tree planting. Sure. And that will get neighbors excited about something and want to get together. I think like the Litter Bit Better initiative by the city oh, to yeah. like go throughout yep. the community and pick up. I, f I feel like that's one of the first things I did when I was younger to mm -hmm. like help out in the community. And it, it gives a certain sense of ownership, even if, you know, as a as a young child, I didn't necessarily understand. I understood like l picking up litter helps, yeah, but I didn't right. really think a bit about it like, you know, I'm helping my community specifically. But you know, if your neighbor's getting together to do something like that, then it, it could encourage that. And that's one thing that we talk often about uh, the city of Rochester that we like. I mean, they are they are really involved in all the neighborhoods, from our neighbors to litter bit better, the, the tree planting. Um, uh, the safe city nights that they've done in the parks have been mm. really successful. Yeah. So Rochester really does focus on trying to make all of our neighborhoods more livable and, and connected, which, which I appreciate. Yeah. Well, we only have a few more minutes left, Haley, but we wanted to ask you kind of the lightning round here. Okay. <laughs> what do you like, first and foremost, about Rochester, about where you live? Why is this home? Yeah, so quick answer is that it's home because of all of the things we mentioned about community involvement and the city really uh, encourages people to get involved and um, I think when I went to St. Cloud for example it's very much a university town and Rochester just has its own unique um, view on things and that's why I, I really wanted to move back here after I moved away is uh, not just Slatterly Park won't uh, be the same anywhere else, but Rochester is not sure. the same as any other city. It's hard to it's hard to describe right exactly the environment here, you know, because we often talk about you know what makes it special, but it's hard to communicate that mm -hmm. until you really understand the dynamics of living here. What are your favorite things to do? I am definitely an outside person. I have a puppy. His name is Roscoe. We go on a lot of walks along the, the bike trails and sidewalks um, that are right around the neighborhood that I live in. Um, I also, Bear Creek Park has an ice skating rink that I like to go to in the winter. Um, yes. That's right down the road from where I live. So it's uh, there's a lot of things to do in the community that don't cost a lot. I know that... Uh, when I was growing up, there was a lot of, oh, Rochester has nothing to do. I'm going to go to the Twin Cities kind of conversations. But I think there's a lot of, like, maybe smaller things that people don't consider. Like, it's a great town to go on a bike ride in. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. a great town to go ice skating in. So, yeah. That was one of my favorite runs. And still with the Healthy Human 
goes right through there. But um, from Slatterly, from Slatterly Park down to Bear Creek Park, and yes. then into the woods there into behind the woods. Mayo High School mm-hmm. uh, and back, it's, it's really great. I've never been ice skating, though, at the Bear Creek Rink. Yeah, my grandpa was the Zamboni driver for Grand Marina. No way. Um, oh, so, really? Yeah, when I was growing up, we would always go ice skating there. Um, so I've always had a passion for ice skating, and it's nice something that I'm always excited to have the opportunity to do. I've always wanted to drive one of those. <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> it would be fun. All you have to do sometimes is ask. You yes. might be able to get a ride That's on the Zamboni. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you ever, I know skating is skating, but do you ever get involved with like a pickup hockey game? No, but my uncle definitely does. So I've been to a few that I've watched. My uncle is Ron Moffat. He's the Mayo uh, hockey coach. Oh, yeah. Um, or he might be um, JV hockey coach at this point. He was goalie coach when I was at Mayo growing sure. up. So um, it's something that I've always, you know, ice skating is ice skating. Yeah. And so you kind of always have the chance to see a pickup game or um, I'm not the greatest at skating while holding a stick. I can be the goalie, but I'm not the best at like actually sure. pushing the putt. So. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot happening in, in a game of hockey. But, you know, speaking of like neighborhood culture and what you right. do uh, with Art on the Avenue, uh, hockey or arena culture is its own thing. So, it is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got to know a lot of the rink rats, I suppose, when you were when I was growing up, spending time absolutely. there. Absolutely. Yeah. And you can't say Minnesota without saying hockey. I mean, That's they true. just they, they go hand in hand. You can't. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Well, Haley, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It was exciting to be here. And what's the rundown? What's the where, when of Art on the Avenue? Sure. It's May 20th from 9.30 to 4. Um, and it's on the 900 block of 6th Avenue. Um, 9th Street is closed right now. So it's between 9th and 10th Street. Okay. Um, so you'll want to like park at um, the side street on 10th or on 8th if you want to walk over. You yeah. can get through north-south, but we'll have... Uh, 9th closed so that sure. there's walking traffic so um, just to keep in mind yeah. and do we have a weather prediction that far out or no no <laughs> <laughs> not yet but let's let's it's been so nice lately we're in the 70s been. now yes. and it's so green but uh, yeah. if you have any influence Randy right. it would be I nice will, I will it's hard to predict sometimes it's really cold and then sometimes you know yeah. by afternoon of Art on the Ave you're like oh, taking yeah. off all your layers because it gets like yeah. 70 80 degrees yeah. when it was 40 in the morning it's Minnesota you can yeah. have four seasons in one day absolutely yeah. and end up in 75 degrees <laughs> weather. Well, it's been a pleasure having you here today, Haley, and thank you for sharing your time and your talent and and filling us all in on Art in the Avenue. It's one of our favorite events, and we are more than happy to sponsor it. I'm excited that you guys will be there. Wonderful. (laughs) All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. You will be able to find out more on uh, whitemanbrock.com. We are the Home Matters podcast of Whiteman Brock Real Estate Advisors. We will have the link to Art on the Avenue in the description of the podcast as well. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Again, it's whitemanbrock.com. Have a great day.